My name is Paul Lassard, and I'm the Executive Minister of Start and Strengthen Churches for the Evangelical Covenant Church. And over the next 20, 25 minutes, we're going to talk a little bit about hearing the voice of Jesus. So a friend of mine, Mark, who lives in Michigan, told me a story a couple of years ago about how he was driving home, and it was late at night, and he was in the van, and his family was in the van. And he loved to travel at night because of the peace and the quiet. And he also loved to travel at night because he liked to drive fast. And so he told me he was on the interstate and he typically drives in the left lane because it's rare that people pass him. And he said as he was driving, he was thinking about a challenge that a friend had made to him not that long ago or before that, which was basically uh, to listen for the voice of Jesus. And he had encouraged Mark, this particular person, to say that, you know, we can hear the voice of Jesus. And so as he's driving and his family's asleep and he's in the left lane and he's heading for home, uh, he just kind of prays, you know, Lord, if you got something to say, Jesus, I'm listening. And he told me that he had no sooner said that than there was just a strong impression that he received which said, move into the right-hand lane. And you know how, how fast our minds work, right? And he said that he had no sooner heard that than uh, his response was, no, this is silly. That can't be from, from Jesus. But he said as he was thinking that, he heard it again, equally as strong this impression, move into the right-hand lane. And so he said he did. He moved into the right-hand lane, and he no sooner than he did that than a car passed him coming the wrong way in the interstate in the left-hand lane. And he realized that he actually had heard uh, from Jesus. And it's an interesting thing, right, because we are of a people that believe that God does indeed speak to us personally through the Holy Spirit. Maybe not as clearly and in such a dramatic fashion as he spoke to my friend Mark, but the truth is for those who listen, right, the Lord impresses himself upon us through his Holy Spirit. Canadian theologian and author Dr. Gordon Smith writes in his book, Hearing the Voice of Jesus, that there are two questions that every believer must be able to answer. And the first is, what is Jesus saying to me? And the second is, how do I know that it's the voice of Jesus? It is a part of our maturation as followers of Jesus Christ that we more clearly discern the voice of Jesus and know with confidence what it is that he's speaking to us. So pray with me, please, and then we'll dive a bit into Scripture. Lord God, we know because your word tells us it is in your desire to be in relationship with us and that a part of relationship is conversation. We pray as we go to your word that you would speak clearly to us through your word in a way that we are assured of your intentions for our heart and our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, we see the Apostle Paul seeking to hear and understand what God is saying to him. The scripture tells us this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, the scripture says, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging them, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10 of chapter 16. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This passage of scripture relates a significant turning point in the second missionary journey of Paul. And if you're familiar with the passage, then you know that previously in Acts chapter 15, that Paul and Barnabas, his missionary companion together, 
had received this vision from the Lord that they were to visit the churches that they had already planted, but also move into new territory, to, to areas in which um, people had not heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus before. If you're familiar with that passage, you know that Paul and Barnabas had a falling out over whether John Mark, their companion on the first trip, would accompany them on the second trip. John Mark having abandoned them halfway through and Paul taking that personally in terms of the strength of call and the importance of the work that they were doing. Now, the scripture tells us that Paul then assembles a new team for the second journey after Barnabas has left. And he gathers a man, a leader from the ascending church in Antioch, Silas, as well as picking up a young pastor named Timothy along the way. And Paul, in many ways, is a classic definition of a missional leader. He feels he has a clear sense of where God is calling him and the conviction to act on that call, to act on that vision. In addition, the fact that he would encourage others to accompany him and they would go along is very much an affirmation then of the call and the vision that the Lord had presented him with. And so they leave, right? The text tells us they leave and they visit all these churches that Paul and Barnabas had planted and they bring a word of encouragement and they are encouraged in turn, right? As these churches begin to grow, led by the Holy Spirit. But an unexpected thing happens, according to the text, that when they become into the border of Messiah and, and they want to enter into Bithynia, into the province of Asia, that unexpectedly, inexplicably, the Holy Spirit blocks them from entering into these areas. What's interesting then is the text tells us that they retreat to the coast to Troas, uncertain as to their next step. If you remember, Gordon Smith's questions that every believer needs to answer. What is Jesus saying to me and how do I know it's the voice of Jesus? We can imagine then that Paul, you see, retreats to Troas, to the coast, frustrated, uncertain, questioning himself and wondering where it is that he went wrong in terms of mishearing, if you will, the voice of Jesus mediated through the Holy Spirit. Because theologically we know that's how Jesus speaks to us, right? It's through the work and action of the Holy Spirit. Paul, with, with Silas and with this young pastor Timothy who have trusted him, right, and the call and the vision that he has, finds himself, in a sense, washed up on this shore, a very different place than he believed he'd set out to. Had he misheard? Was he right at the beginning of the journey, but wrong about the destination? We know that sometimes the Holy Spirit gets our interest and gets us started, but he has something very different in mind for where we would end up. Is this true of Paul? Have Paul's own ambition and evangelistic fervor somehow caused him to mishear what the Holy Spirit was saying. Had the noise of his life spoken louder than the Holy Spirit as he sought to discern a path forward? Is that true of you? Has that been your experience? That in seeking to discern that you come to the discernment process with such a strong sense of what you hoped the Spirit would say? That you had in your mind a, a hope for a particular destination? That your own ambition, your own um, plans the noise of your life rang louder, if you will, than the voice of Jesus mediated by the Holy Spirit. That as you sought to discern a path forward, that there was too much else going on to hear clearly. But the scripture tells us that in this moment of doubt, as Paul finds himself questioning in, questioning Troas, when arguably he's maybe at one of his lowest moments emotionally, certainly on this trip, that this is the point when the Lord does indeed speak to him clearly. Speaks to him in a vision as to where he is to go and to whom he is to evangelize. 
And the text tells us that they immediately then begin to make preparations to leave for Macedonia. And if you caught that in the text, it's all in the third person until that last line where it says, we immediately made plans to go to Macedonia. And scholars tell us that the author of this book of Acts, uh, Luke, that that's the point in which he joins the team, whether being the person in the vision or someone that had already prearranged to meet at that point, but he becomes his story as well as they move forward. Interesting then, is it not? Paul may be frustrated as sometimes we feel as we find our life stuff welling up and we're going, this is the time when I need to hear from Jesus. When I just need to discern what the Lord's will is for me. That indeed the scripture actually gives witness that those are the moments oftentimes when the Spirit does present the Spirit's self. When the Spirit does speak if we are attentive to listen. Smith writes, Gordon Smith writes, that the emotional contours of our lives become the soil in which we discern, sift, and determine what is truly from God and what is not. There's this affirmation from Smith of what we've already heard and seen in the scripture that is into the very stuff of our lives that God speaks. But interesting, I don't know about your experience, but it's been my experience that sometimes in those moments that are, that are freight with emotion, maybe that are freight with ambition when so much is going on, are the times I'm least likely to pay attention because I'm so overwhelmed with my own stuff. And it's interesting because the scripture bears witness and Smith affirms this, that it's actually in those moments, his phrase, which I love, right? The emotional contours of our lives become the soil into which the Lord is prepared to speak to those who are ready to listen. It's classic what Jesus says in the Gospels, right? To the one who has eyes to see and ears to hear. Smith goes on to say, Discernment is all about attending to what's happening to us emotionally in a way that's informed by the mind, by the breadth and witness of the scriptures, and by the counsel of other Christians. And I love these three because they kind of are a corrective, right? It actually begins to unpack how it is that we can listen to Jesus uh, with any amount of integrity or confidence. He says we're informed by our minds. For those of you who are maybe not uh, all that intuitive, Smith is saying, you're going to hear something. Lord willing, as you listen, right? We are of a people that believes that the God can speak through the Spirit. We are informed by our minds by analysis and by pondering the things that we think we hear. We ponder in a way to realize the veracity, the truthfulness of it. There is a thoughtfulness to our discernment to judge whether or not indeed it is the Lord speaking to us. But he also says, we are informed by the breadth and witness of Scripture. And of course, this familiarity with God's Word, right? To know the accuracy of what we've heard. We are of a people that believe that God can speak to us through His Spirit. But we also believe that the Lord will never call us to do something that's incongruent or out of harmony uh, with His Word. And this is interesting because we know that we do not simply come to know about God as we come to His Word to Scripture. But in a mystery, we come to know God. That Jesus Christ himself is encountered through the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that we have a high view of Scripture, right? That as we listen, in a sense, if we're more intuitive and we get these impressions like my friend Mark did, which was much beyond what he'd expected in the moment, that we hold that intention with what it is that we've read from our own personal study and what we've been taught. And then thirdly, this statement that the counsel of other Christians is important in our discernment. And particularly if you're not a very uh, intuitive person, 
but you think you've heard something, it's important to go to those people you trust, maybe those people who are intuitive, and say, this is what I've heard. What do you think? And most of us have those people in our lives. And when you begin to think then that the Lord is prepared to speak into the stuff of our lives, no matter how big the stuff is and how noisy it might be, and as we uh, analyze, as we ponder, as we become thoughtful around that, as we hold it with Scripture in one hand, realizing that the Lord will speak clearly there as well, and then test if we need to with those around us. We are well on the path, you see, to knowing with confidence that we are hearing Jesus' voice and understanding what he's saying. Interesting though, Smith does go further, and he adds this, he said, but it's really testing our own hearts to see if this comes from God. And so inasmuch as we are a people that know from Scripture that the Spirit comes personally to us and resides within, Smith encourages us to be attentive and to grow those skills of listening so that within us is this, uh, this affirmation, time over time, to say this is the voice of Jesus. And this is what the Lord has said through His Spirit. It's interesting, one of my friends, um, when I asked her how she knew when she heard was from Jesus, she felt like she had a, a lift in her spirit. Other friends, and this has been my experience as well, is that sometimes it's when you go to God's Word, right? And, and you may or may not be aware of the stuff of your lives, that you're bringing your own voice, your own emotions, your own whatever to Scripture. But as you're reading, all of a sudden, something just jumps out at you, and I call it the shock of recognition, right? Where the hair, hair crawls in the back of your neck, and you go, oh my goodness, this is for me today. And, and regardless of how intellectual, how skeptical you may be as a person, we all have these moments, I believe, if we're faithful to being God's Word, where you go, oh, this was written 3,000 years ago. This was written for David, or this is something that Jesus said, but you realize through the Spirit that this is what the Lord would have you understand from the Lord, mediated by the Spirit in this exact moment. It is to reinforce and paying attention to God's presence in the everyday events of our lives that the Spirit of Jesus can often be heard. And I want to reinforce what you've been hearing in the last 20 minutes or so, though it only feels like uh, 19 minutes, that there's a sense of immediacy here where the Spirit speaks and moves in the moments and spaces of our everyday existence. Author Cynthia Borgolt writes in her book, Mystical Hope, the spiritual life can only be lived in the present moment, in the now. When we go rushing ahead into the future or shrinking back into the past, we miss the hand of God which can only touch us in the now. Our ability to listen for the voice of Jesus is directly tied to our ability to be present in the moment. Borgold's statement reminds us, right, that, that oftentimes we spend a lot of time living in our past. And whether because those were the glory days, right, and there's great stuff there that we want to rec uh, remember, and it makes us feel good, and there's wonderful emotion connected to us, or there's stuff from our past that has bound us, right, and hurt us and wounded us, and we're still dealing with that. That we live there, or we often live in the future. And we live in the future because maybe we take those anxieties in today's, we're concerned about what's going to come. Or maybe those of us who are entrepreneurial, right, visionary leaders, that we're hopeful for the, and we can't wait to get there because it's exciting and full of promise. And the truth is, and we know this, right, the scripture's all over this, that the Lord has a lot to say and a lot to redeem from our past. And the Lord has a lot to say to reassure or to excite us about the future, to paint a picture, picture of what things could be that bring hope in the moment. But it's only in the now that the Spirit actually speaks. It's only in the now 
that we can hear the voice of Jesus. And Bergolt reminds us, right, she tells us that if we spend too much time in the past, that we're not going to hear the voice of Jesus because we're not present to the Lord. If we spend too much time in the future, that we again are not going to hear when the Spirit whispers or impresses something upon us or, or, or lifts something out of the Word of God in such a way that we go, oh my goodness, this is for me and it's for now. Interestingly, there is a neurological disease disorder called phonogenesia where people can hear and understand the words someone says, but they fail to recognize the voice, even of someone they have known for years. This disorder results in the inability to build trust because they never have the indicators that this person is a person known to them, reliable and safe. Think about that, how every time someone spoke to you, it came afresh. You had no emotional context or connection to that voice at all. You would always be starting from scratch. You would never know whether what they were telling you was trustworthy, and particularly if it was a challenge writer who was calling you to live higher or, or, or in some way uh, called you into a space that was uncomfortable. Without the trust, you would not know if this was for your best or not. You're always starting over, always constantly evaluating. Think about the anxiety that would produce in you. Think about what it's like if you could not tell the voice of one you loved from the voice of a stranger. And I think of it this way. It's not that dissimilar to a camping trip that my wife Rebecca and I were on a number of years ago. And we were camping in the desolation wilderness in California. And it was mid-May, right before Memorial Day. The campgrounds are open and they're clean and they're ready for people, but there's not many people yet. And we pulled into the campground mid-afternoon. It was mostly empty. It was just us and this family uh, that had gotten there before us. And it had been rather windy, but as the sun went down, the air stilled, as it often does in the mountains in the evening and quiet descended upon the campground. And there was this crack and pop of, 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 of pine campfires and there was the low murmur of our voices and the voices from this other campsite. And there was the moo of a cow because it was BLM land after all, land of many uses. And at our campsite anyway, there was the clank of pots as we began to make supper. And it was during that time of darkness between twilight and the rise of the moon that we heard across the surface of the evening calm, a terrified child cry out. And she cries out, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? And the panic was unmistakable in this child's voice. Again, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? And I heard her voice over to the right of my camp, which was over by uh, the restroom. So it made sense, right? And I, I remember thinking, I stood up and I remember thinking, she's probably with that family, but that family is on the other side of the camp and I could hear her calling out as she, and she was moving further away. She was moving in the wrong direction. Mommy, where are you? And then I hear this woman's voice calling from somewhere down to my left and the voice was calm and it was soothing and it was firm. And she, I could hear her say, I'm here, baby. I'm coming, don't you worry. And then off to my right, the girl cries out again, Mommy, but this time there's, there's, there's both an element of fear, but also an element of hope, right? Because she recognizes her mother's voice and the chance that everything will be okay. And the mother calls out in response, right? She calls from the left. She goes, turn towards me, honey, and, 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 and keep walking, and I will meet you. And the little girl knew what to do. And there was no hesitation then as, as, as she began to follow the instructions from her mom. And I was standing there, and, and I could see off to my right 
this bobbing flashlight only about a foot off the ground, right? And, and, and to the left then, this mother coming and her flashlight bobbing too in the darkness of the campsite as they came together. And the gift you see to the lost girl, the gift to the lost girl is not just that her mother is there and that her mother tells her helpful instructions to lead her in safety. The real gift is that the girl recognizes the voice of her mother, so she trusts the instructions that she's given, allowing her to find safety. And I realize this sounds like a classic preacher's story, but it is a true story from my camping experience. But I think the truth in there is that because of the fall and because of the brokenness in our world, we can be a people with a kind of spiritual phonogenosia. The inability to recognize the voice of Jesus as he speaks through the Holy Spirit. As he speaks as his word promises that he will speak. The scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is the sign and seal of salvation. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is the first gift that's given of the many gifts that come after, right? And again, we are a people that believe that we can hear God mediated by the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you, I encourage you, just like the scripture tells us in John 10 and 7, 27, where it says that Jesus is the good shepherd and the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and confidently follow him as a result. I encourage you to be those people, to be sheep, to learn to recognize the voice of the Savior so with confidence you can follow and be obedient to whatever it is that the Savior asks. We become familiar with the voice of Jesus through reading God's word and meditating on its meaning. From listening to the events in our lives, right, and reflecting then on what we think we have heard from Jesus in the past and whether or not those intuitions have proven true. We become skilled in our ability to listen to the voice of Jesus by checking by what we think we hear with those around us in the Christian community that we trust and who have spoken into our lives in the past, right, and have provided proved to be reliable guides in the past. And over time, you see then, as we make a practice of listening through reading and in prayer, our ability to discern grows until we are able to recognize the voice of Jesus and know with confidence what the Holy Spirit is saying. So how is your listening? And what is Jesus through the Holy Spirit saying to you? Let's pray. God, we are thankful for the gift of your Spirit. And gracious God, we recognize that it is your desire to speak clearly to us. We also acknowledge the noise of our lives and the shortness of our attention span, which causes us to be missing in action at those times when you're ready to speak. We pray that you grow within us the desire to hear your voice and that we might grow in the skill to be attentive and to hear more clearly as you speak our names and call us to yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.